from this morning because I think you're getting ready to get part two. Um, I don't think we're quite ready yet. They're like, uh, some of us are there, some of us are still. It's, it's a lot to adjust to just walk in sometimes. And so I would like us to just, could we just lift our voice in your own way, in your own way, and talk with God? Would you pray with me and just talk to Him? The Spirit of the Lord is here, and would you allow His Spirit to begin to talk to you? He's very close right now. He's very near. He's very close and very near. Would you just... Open your spirit to him with us. Let's open our spirit together, Lord. You know everything we have need of. You know our frame. You understand our makeup, God. We come to you humbly this morning. We come in worship and adoration of you, the holy, living, one, true God. Jesus, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. We lift our voices to you in faith and in adoration this morning. We pray that you would be glorified in our worship. We pray that your presence, oh God, would come and dwell among us as we lift up and magnify your holy name, that our spirit, Lord, would be open to you and all that you intend, that our ear would be attuned to your voice, God, that our spirit would be knit with one another as you flow through this house. Jesus, we are dependent on you. We can do nothing of ourselves. We acknowledge the sovereign presence of God that is here, and we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy, and we worship you. We magnify you, O oh God. You are worthy of my worship. I pray that you would be lifted up this morning. I pray that your name would be magnified in the earth. I pray that you would be glorified in your body. I pray that you would be glorified. Let our minds be anointed by your spirit today. I pray your anointing sweep through this place. Anoint every mind. Anoint every ear. Anoint the spirit of every man and every woman. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Draw us close to you, Lord. Nearer to you, Lord. Nearer to you, Lord. Nearer to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hear the hearts cry this morning. Hear the hearts cry this morning, Lord. We come to you. We worship you.
Nearer, blessed Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an old song turning through my spirit right now. I, I can't sing it, but it says, Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer. Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Another old song that says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Near the cross, near the cross, be thy glory ever. There is a need. For you and I as children of God to be ever near the cross, to be ever aware of the cross, to be ever cognizant of the cross, not as some symbol that someone would wear about their neck, that's what it's been reduced to, but truly identification with the cross as the place where he died, willingly in love for you and I. The most perfect and complete and full expression of love that has ever been made. That's the cross. It's not pretty. It's ugly. It's stained with blood, suffering, hurt, and pain. But there is a need for you and I to stay near the cross. Not just in our understanding and reception of the love of God for us and the blood of God that cleanses us and the stripes of the Lord Jesus that heal us, but a need for you and I to find our place on the cross, to find our, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, except a man deny himself, he cannot be my disciple. We need the cross, and so God in his love for you and I, if I get too far from the cross in my walk with God, in his great love for us, he will bring circumstances and situations. It's the love of God. It's not the punishment of God. He will bring circumstances and situations into our life to crucify us. To keep us near the cross.
you know, Jesus stood in Pilate's court. Pilate, trying to get him to respond, said to Jesus, You understand I have the power to take your life. Jesus, I believe, lovingly responded. You don't have any power except my Father gives it to you. I have the power to lay my life down. And I have the power to take it up again. I don't believe the greatest demonstration of power was taking it up again. To me, the greatest demonstration of power was to lay it down. Everybody wants life. The great demonstration of power and love was to lay it down. Understand, we, it's so off-quoted that we miss it. For God so loved. That's love. God so loved you and I that He gave. What did He give? He gave His life. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. It's the love of God. I feel it here this morning in a great way. Could we just lift our voice to him one more time? Would you thank him for his perfect love? Jesus, I don't want to take for granted Calvary. I don't want to take for granted the cross. I don't want to start thinking I deserve it. I don't want to start thinking I've earned it somehow. God forbid, I need you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood you shed. Thank you for the nails you willingly allowed to be driven in your hands and feet. Thank you for willingly laying down on the cross. Thank you for willingly submitting and subjecting yourself to suffering so that we could be set free from sin, healed from sickness and disease, delivered from bondage and torment, made whole by your blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Sort of just caught me by surprise this morning. One more old song. We used to sing. Maybe I need to write all these down and have Ethan learn them. And we could just break out singing them. The song said, Calvary, Calvary, would you please, please speak to me. Tell me how much I owe, I want to repay. Then the echo rings clear from the hills of old Judea. Tell the lost, tell the lost, tell the lost. All of a sudden here in just these last few minutes, I... 
Holy Ghost is trying to give somebody a, a look at Calvary. The Holy Ghost is trying to get you to see your Savior hanging on a tree. And come to the understanding He did that for you because He loves you. He's trying to remove scales from your mind so that you recognize it's more than just a story in a book, but it's a reality for all of eternity that the God of heaven and earth and everything under the earth, the God who formed the worlds by His Word, that that very same God would humble Himself and become of no reputation that that very God, our one true living God that we worship, would robe Himself in flesh, become a man like you and I, that He would step down from a place in glory and wrap Himself in this lowly humanity flesh, and that He would then allow His very creation, mankind, to take Him and beat Him and nail Him to a cross, all as an expression of love for you. All as an expression of love for you. You understand this morning that nails did not hold Him on the cross. Love for you and me is what held him on the cross. At any moment in time, he could have said enough and got up and walked away. It wasn't the nails that kept him there. It wasn't Roman soldiers that kept him there. It was love that kept him there. It was perfect love for you and me. And the adversary wants you to think you've made too many mistakes and God doesn't or can't love you. But if you'll just look afresh at Calvary, you and I understand there is no greater love than the love that a man has that he would lay down his life for a friend. And he says, I have called you friend. I have called you friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for going to Calvary, taking my place. It should have been me. It should have been me that was crucified. It should have been me that suffered and died. It should have been me. I was the one in sin. I was the one in sin. I was the one in sin. It should have been me on the cross, but you took my place. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for taking my place. Dio lo santo rei arabasheto. Thank you for taking my place. 
It's all because of you. It's all because of you. I was wrong. There's one more song. We really should sing these. Maybe you've heard this one. It says, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And I'll exchange it someday for a crown. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. We would sing those songs when I was a child. The ones who penned those words, they had come to love the cross. They had come to value the cross. Oh, they didn't wear it on their shirts or on their neck or in their ears. It wasn't about that. It was in their heart. It was something in their spirit. They, they understood the cross represented all that he was, all that he did, all that gave them hope, all that proved they were loved. If you want your life to be utterly changed and transformed day by day, why don't you just start praying, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I don't want to get too far. Keep me near the cross. Keep me close to Calvary. Keep me close to you and the price you paid. I don't want to start taking it for granted. I don't want to... I don't want to forget. I don't want to. I don't want to just assume. I, keep me close. Keep me close. I want to hold to the cross. It's salvation to me. It's salvation to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. I know you've been standing a bit. Praise God. I guess that was all just worship service. I don't know. but I am thankful for the cross of Calvary today. In Jesus' name. It doesn't make sense to the natural man. The natural man would be like, how does dying lead to living? The wisdom of God is foolishness to the carnal mind. As you and I begin to pray, keep me near the cross. We begin dying to ourselves. Then the spirit and power of God is truly made manifest through our lives. See, we have to die for him to live. And I felt like the Holy Ghost said some people are bipolar spiritually.
two lives. They want their own life, and they want the life of Christ. Jesus said that won't happen. You don't get both. You don't get both. Either he lives or I live. I can't say I want you to live, but I want to live my own life. Doesn't work. Keep me near the cross, Lord. You know, it's liberty when he lives. It's bondage when I live. Really. Praise God. I'm glad you're here this morning. I feel such a sweet, tender presence of the Lord. I trust and believe that you identify with his presence as well. I do feel a responsibility to share what God put on my heart early on in the 930 service that was a change of direction. And we never got where I thought we were going in the first service, but it hasn't left me. So I feel like that's why I said earlier, you're going to get part two. I guess you're getting multiple messages today, one on the cross and then one on this. I. John chapter 11. The book of John chapter 11. I will tell you, as you're turning there, and it sounds like you're probably there, one more thing about the cross. If you and I are living our lives to please men, we will never get on the cross. If we are trying to please men, we will never get on the cross. We must live our lives to please God. What pleases Him? All right, John chapter 11. Everybody said amen. We're, just, we're making a turn now. We're going there. Thank you for... Maybe all that stuff about the cross was just for me this morning. I don't think so. But John chapter 11. A very familiar place in history in the life of Christ. It's where his friend Lazarus had died and he showed up and Mary and Martha talked with him and he shared some things with them. We talked about that in the earlier service. I want to go where I thought we were going. I know the Lord put it in my spirit. And so Jesus is now standing there. Let's, uh, let's just go to verse um, 36. We'll go to John 11 and 36. I think we got to verse 32 earlier. Maybe go to verse 33. That way I feel like we're not skipping anything. We made it to 32 earlier. So here we go. John eleven thirty three. 33. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, that's Mary, when he saw her weeping and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, if you had read the earlier verses, you would understand his groaning in the spirit and his trouble was not over the loss of a friend. It was over their lack of faith in him. Because he tried to tell them, I am the resurrection. He said plainly, your brother shall rise again. And they still did not have faith, even though Jesus, God in the flesh, was standing in front of them. And they projected their faith down the road to the last resurrection. And Jesus responded to their future projection of faith by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. They were saying, I know that he will resurrect someday. Jesus spoke, brought them back to the present tense when he said, I am the resurrection. He was trying to get them to have faith where they were. He was trying to get them to have faith where they were. I don't know if, and I mean that honestly, I don't know if faith for the future is a real thing. I have faith in who holds the future. But unless I know the future, I'm probably having faith in what I want the future to be. Does that make sense? That's why I say I don't know if faith for the future is real. I, I have faith in God that he controls the future. But I think maybe we get in trouble and we get disappointed because we have faith for what we want the future to look like. Does that make sense this morning? I don't know if we're going to get where I think I want to go. Lord, would you just pray with me for just a minute? I'm serious. Lord, deliver me from trying to go where I think we ought to go. By what we, I just want to walk this road that you're leading us on this morning. Help us to hear what you're saying. Help us to hear what you're saying with our spirit. To receive it of you. I feel your spirit seeking to impart today. 
You've already imparted, but you're not done. And you're wanting to impart into the lives of the people of God. Give me ears to hear. Anoint my lips to speak. In Jesus' name. We have faith for what we want to see. But unless the Lord has given us a prophetic word regarding the future, I don't know if we can have faith without it coming through the lens of our own desire. And that could be dangerous because if God's plan is different, there's a couple of problems now. Number one is... If we have faith for our future the way we want it to be, and then God's plan is different, we are disappointed that it didn't go the way we thought. That's probably the smaller of the two problems. The second is that we then begin to question God because we had so much faith for the future. And we've been deceived into believing that what we thought was faith for the future was really our own desire for what we wanted God to do. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, now faith. Now, I know that doesn't really mean now faith. But it sort of makes me think about having now faith. But it does say now. Right? It doesn't say later faith is the substance of, is that what it says? No, it says now. Everybody say now. now. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning speaking so distinctly, if only to my spirit, that there is a desire of God for you and I to have faith in the present. Faith in the present. I'm going to say it again. Faith in the present. Faith now. Faith for right now. Faith for the moment. Faith for this day. Faith for this time. Faith for this season. Now faith. If I'll get to a place with God where my faith is in the present, I'll walk in the Spirit and His faith can operate through my life, and I'll not think it difficult or strange to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Because I walk and operate in present faith. Anybody else feel what I'm feeling right now? The Spirit of the Lord is trying to deliver us from thinking that has been twisted by this idea of if I believe it long enough, maybe it will happen. That's not faith. That's hope. You need hope. I thank God for hope. I have hope in some things. But what the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with me about today, and I believe dealing with us is faith for the present. 
When I pray for a situation, I want to pray with faith right now. You say, well, but what happens if I pray and nothing happens right now? That's his business, not mine. I had faith. I operated in faith. I prayed in faith. Well, what if something happens three weeks from now? Did my faith work in the future? No. Faith operates now. I'm getting revelation while I'm talking to you. I don't know if you can tell or not. Faith operates now. Well, but yeah, but something happened a month later. I'll tell you what happened. You prayed and released faith now. But God, who is omnipresent, who exists as the I am God that doesn't know the past or the future, He always is. I released faith right now. And a God who hears my cry, whose faith operates through my life when I've crucified with Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the... I don't live by my own faith, I live by His faith. Is it possible that I could pray a prayer right now? And I could, by the power of the Spirit of God dwelling in me, speak the word and release faith. His faith is released. And he changes something that to me is three weeks in the future. But to him who is omnipresent, he's right there, right now. Now see, that's hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? But I'm telling you what I'm recognizing in the Holy Ghost. If we'll operate in now faith, in present faith, and let the Spirit of God flow through us in a place of prayer where we are. We live too much of our life in the past or in the future. We need to learn to live in the present. We need to learn to live in the now. We need to learn to live today. We need to learn to live where we are. We, I'm including me, we need to learn this by the Spirit of God leading us. Some of you, I watch you sometimes. Well, all of you, I watch sometimes. I watch some of you, you carry so much worry about the future. That's not God. I'm intentionally not looking because somebody's going to think, oh, he was looking at me when he, he was looking at me when he said that. I know he's talking about me. Trust the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost is talking to you, receive it. But look. You ever read the book of Acts? Yeah, I've read it a few times. I don't know, I quit counting. One time I read it 14 times in a row because the Lord kept telling me to read it again. Hear me. Go read the book of Acts. And find in there for me where the church 
worried about the future. Go, go read it. Read and find and search out the book of Acts and find where they were talking about the future, the future, the future. Oh, I mean, there was one time, right? I remember. Guy took a girdle, bound himself up and said, whoever owns this piece of clothing, they're going to be bound like this. Well, it was Paul's. Paul, you're going to be bound when you go to Jerusalem. Future. You know what Paul said? I'm not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to die. I sort of picture him saying it like this. Look, that's down the road. I can just tell you where I'm at right now. And I've already made up my mind. If I'm going to be bound, so be it. If I'm going to die, so be it. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm not going to worry about that prophetic thing. I'm not denying what you're telling me. Whatever. Okay. If that's the case, so be See, they were all. Watch this. Here's what happens. The prophet, his name was Agabus, if I remember correctly. Agabus takes that girdle and binds himself. Says, whoever owns this girdle is going to be bound. It was speaking Apostle Paul. Paul said those statements. I said, I'm not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to die. He had already made up his mind about his future and about his life and how he was going to live. God owns it. God controls it. What God does is his business. I'm not going to live in fear of it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to get caught up in this world system with it. I'm just giving my life to the Lord. Now, if you read that passage of Scripture where it says that, the whole church was like, oh, Paul, don't go. Really? Well, they may not have sounded like that, but probably. <laughs> oh, they begged and pleaded, don't go. No, we should read this so you don't think I'm making this up. The book of Acts. Yeah, we're really not going to get where I thought in John 11. That's going to be a different time, different day, different. Maybe that's just for me, Lord. I'll receive it in Jesus' name. Acts chapter, I want to say 19. I probably just need to memorize the book of Acts, then I'll just know where stuff is. Acts chapter 19. I hope this is the right place. 21. Thank you, Brother Jerry. Yeah, that's the one I want. Thank you, Brother Lewis. Look at this working together in Jesus' name. Acts 21. Acts 19 was when he was leaving and they wept because he was, and 20, we're getting there. All right, verse 10, Acts 21 and 10, let's go right there. Make you back up one verse, Brother Jerry. Watch this. We, we need to understand how faith, the Lord wants faith to operate, present faith. Acts 21, 11, and when he was come to us, or 10, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea certain prophet named Agabus. That was his name. Verse 11. I'm glad my mom didn't name me that. And, and when, can you imagine the trouble you'd had at grade school? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That was, I'm sorry. Verse 11. And when he was come to us, that's the prophet, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet. The girdle they covered themselves with, wrapped about themselves, and bound his own hands and feet. And watch what he said. This is what the prophet said. Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man 
that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Is that what it says? Now, Agabus was bold. He said, the Holy Ghost says. He was a prophet. And he was. And he was right. And the Holy Ghost did say that. You with me? Okay. Some of you are reading ahead because you can't be patient. See, Verse 12. And when we heard these things, this is the church, Luke's writing, but it's the people gathered there that have been there many days. When we heard these things, both we and all of they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. That was the, oh, Paul, please don't go. That's the part I was telling you about. See, it's in there. Look, we read this and we act like they had no emotion. They were human beings like you and I. And they just heard that this man of God that they love, whom God has used in their lives in ministry, whom they're connected with in the body of Christ, they have just heard from another man of God, another part of the body of Christ with them that they know to be used in the prophetic. They have witnessed with their spirit what he said. They've watched him take this object that belonged to the Apostle Paul, bind his hands and feet, and then declare to them in the Holy Ghost, whoever owns this, when they go to Jerusalem, they're going to be bound. And then they're going to be delivered into the hand of the Gentiles. And they heard this, and their human emotion was troubled. Remember, touching on human compassion and emotion in the earlier service. There's something here, the Lord. This is, this is important as it relates to faith, okay? Human emotion besought him, please don't go. We don't want you to be bound. We don't want you to be... The, what is this? This is human compassion. Human emotion. This is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God said, whoever owns it's going to be bound. Yes? This is not the Spirit of God saying, we don't want you to go. This is human emotion saying, we don't want you to go. Hear me. As a child of God, we need to learn to discern the difference between the voice of the Spirit and human emotion. Sometimes we think we know what the Spirit of God wants because of what we feel. Human emotion was saying, I don't want the man of God to suffer. Jesus called that Satan. Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified. Peter said... Human emotion, not so, Lord. You won't die. No, Lord, never let it be. God forbid. Jesus heard those words of human emotion contrary to the voice of the Spirit of God. And Jesus turned around and looked at Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Human emotion was coming against faith in God. Human emotion was trying to violate the Word of God. See, it's so subtle. It's so deceptive. Because 
I care about them. And you say, am I not supposed to care? Of course you're supposed to care. why we can't rely on our feelings. We need to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Now here, watch. So they're, they're carrying on. I mean, that had to take a bit, right? We just see one verse. We just see verse 12. We and they of that place besought him not to go. I don't know who we are. I know it's at least Luke. Because he's writing. I don't know who the other we's or the people are with the Luke and the we. If you remember, if you can know what I just said, you're amazing. <laughs> and they of that place. So, I, you know, we read that one verse and we're like, oh, well, that was quick. I sort of picture that Paul started dealing with all of these different people coming up to him. Oh, please don't go. Look, this is. And, you know, and then he finally got past that one and then somebody, you know, right? All these people that loved him and cared about him. And, and they're, they're, I don't know how long this went on, but finally he's like, I got to address this. And verse 13, he addressed it. Watch what he said. Paul answered, what mean you to weep and to break my heart? He was human too, in case you think he wasn't. He was human too. What do you mean by, so clearly people were so distraught over what had been prophesied that they're crying, Paul, please don't go. Please don't go. You heard what the prophet said. We wit- all of us witnessed that was the Holy Ghost talking. Please don't go. And they're crying, tears, human emotion. Their human emotion affected him. Why? Because he loved them. He cared for them. His human nature heard the word of the Lord too. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost saying you're going to be bound. He had to navigate that in his human emotion too. We act like, we act like just because Paul's a man of God, he didn't have human emotion. See, sometimes just because you... This is important. Some of you have experienced this already in your life because you've been around me longer than others. There are times I know that I've spoken things to some of you and you've thought he has no emotion. He doesn't even care. If I ask you to raise, don't raise your hand. But if I ask you to raise your hand, I'd imagine a few of you would probably raise your hand. Like he didn't even care. He just told me, like I don't know that he even listened to what I said. You didn't say that, but I knew. I can tell you probably one of the greatest things I have to deal with and, and navigate through as an elder is when, I'm, when you're asking me about a tough situation or a difficult thing is for me to separate my care and concern for you humanly and try to just declare to you the counsel of God separate from my human emotion. And the hardest times are when I have to do those things And I know it feels like I don't care. Paul had human emotion. He said, why are you weeping? You're breaking my heart. He was letting us see he was human too. 
But then he said, I'm ready. Listen, I'm ready. I'm ready not to be bound only. The prophetic word of the Lord said, I'm going to be bound. He said, I just want you to know. I'm not just ready to be bound. I'm also ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't. What was he declaring? He's declaring, I don't know where this road leads. I'm not denying the prophetic word of the Lord that we all witnessed. I'm just telling you, I've got faith right now. And whatever the word of the Lord said, so be it. But it's not wavering the faith I have in my commitment to God. Well, but the future could... I don't know about the future. That's in His hands. I got faith that God is telling me to go, and so I'm going. Well, but the prophet said you're going to... I know what the prophet said, and I'm not denying it. But the Word of God told me to go, and I'm living in present faith. Now here, I want you to notice. You go back to verse number 11 real quick, Brother Jerry. Pull that back up there so we can see it together. See, human nature does not like suffering. If you tell me you like suffering, you're lying to me. Or something's seriously wrong with you. Now watch. I want us to see this. This is important. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle. And shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. All of the Apostle Paul's friends, brothers and sisters, all they heard was bind and be delivered to those ungodly heathens. That's what Gentiles were. See, how you hear matters. You know what Paul heard? Tell you what I believe, Paul heard. Look, God already told me to go to Jerusalem. And I just imagine Paul heard, delivered to the Gentiles. Oh, God called and told me he's calling me to the Gentiles. Okay. You're here in bondage. I'm hearing God's way of getting me where he told me he was taking me. I got faith. It was the word of God. Just how you hear it makes the difference. The Lord had already told the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Remember what I said earlier about. I don't know if you can have faith for the future. Because it's this idea about what it should look like. And how it's going to happen. And then you can get disappointed or lose faith. Paul had faith he had heard from God. He had faith God was going to use him to reach the Gentiles. He did not determine how. He did not determine how God was going to get him there. He, you know, he could have said, you know, I just imagine God's going to give me a luxury jet and take me there. Well, maybe he couldn't imagine that. I don't know, but. I'm sure if the Apostle Paul was praying in his own faith, 
He would not have said, God, it would be beautiful if you would make me a prisoner and put me on a boat with a bunch of prisoners and let me be bound in a ship that gets shipwrecked and we're getting washed at sea and then let us end up on an island with a bunch of barbarians and and let a snake come out of the fire and bite me. That would be beautiful, God, if you could do it that way to get me to the Gentiles in Rome. Oh, yeah, we wouldn't have written the story that way, would we? But that's exactly how God got him to Rome. See, Paul had resigned himself to this fact. God told me this is what he's going to do. I have faith for the present. I'm not going to get caught up in what may or may not happen. I'm not going to move my faith into the future to try to dictate to God what he needs to do. I'm simply holding to faith in the word of God that he will do. Present faith. Present faith. Jesus was speaking to Mary and Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He was trying to get them to have faith for the present. Because he wanted to manifest his glory and his power. Where's your faith? Isn't it a future you can't control? You're willing to trust he does? Present faith. How is it going to happen? Would you stand with me this morning? Now hear me. I want to give some applicable some applicable examples that's come to my mind now three times. This is sort of passed through. For whatever reason, uh, this concept and principle of praying for lost loved ones and lost souls keeps coming into my spirit. And I wonder that oftentimes when we do give ourselves to prayer for lost loved ones that we pray in the future rather than praying with present faith. We prayed in the first service for Sean. I wasn't praying for some future thing. When I was praying, I was praying with faith in the moment that God in the moment was doing a work in the moment. You say, but what if he didn't? In his moment, he did. I wasn't operating in the natural. He's not subject to my time clock. He was present. What's his moment? I don't know. I trust his timing. My faith is present right now. When I felt faith arise, I'm releasing my faith right now in the present. 
I don't even understand all I'm talking to you about this morning. I just realize the Holy Ghost is trying to shift something in the way that we think. So that we understand when I pray, I pray in faith in the now. And if we'll, by his grace and his spirit, allow him to continue to bring understanding to us in this concept, and I believe he wants to. I think it's going to affect the way we pray. And I believe it's going to affect the operation of his spirit through our lives when we interact with others. Because we will operate in present faith. Our faith isn't in what I see or don't see in the moment. My faith is in him. In him. And so I operate in present faith. That's the only way I know to express it. And so when you and I pray for a loved one or a lost soul, I pray in the present. I pray for what God is doing right now in their heart. I pray for where they are right now and the beckoning and the drawing of the Spirit of God upon their soul working right now. I trust that God is hearing and working and orchestrating events even that I cannot see even now that will affect their salvation. And his timing is perfect and his way is perfect. And the efforts of the adversary cannot win because I am praying in faith now. And no matter what the adversary is doing to try to destroy them, I am losing faith now. And thereby God is working even if I don't understand or see. Because my faith is not in a circumstance. My faith is in him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or even think according to his power that works within me. Present faith. Present faith. Some of you felt that just as I was saying those things. I felt the Holy Ghost right there moving in the Spirit of the Lord issuing forth. There is, we need to learn. God help us to pray with present faith. Operative present faith in the now. You know what the challenge is? I know you're standing. If you need to sit, you can sit. I think I'm done almost, but I know sometimes I think I am and I'm not. The problem is we pray with faith, but then look with the natural eye. Now, will we see results with the natural eye? Absolutely. But my confidence does not come from what I see in the natural. My confidence comes from he to whom I'm praying But nothing's changing. So did he hear you when you prayed? My faith is in him. How do you know nothing's changing? You see all the working in the spirit world that's taking place every time you pray? How do you know nothing's changing? Do you see inside their heart and life every time you pray? 
How do you know nothing's changing? Do you see the thoughts that the Lord is putting in their mind every time you pray? How do you know nothing's changing? Do you see every cell of their body and what's operating inside those cells and muscles and bones every time you pray? No, see, we look at the natural and we measure based on what we see in the natural after we pray in faith. I would to God by his spirit that I feel coursing through my body right now this morning. That there would be such a release of faith in our spirit that we would cease to look through the natural eye. And by the work of the spirit of God in our life would have scales removed and I would begin to see the kingdom that I would see with the eye of the spirit And I would pray in the Spirit and speak words of the Spirit with present faith for what God can and will do now. I do not care what circumstances show. I do not care what circumstances say. I do not care what I see with my natural eye. God works where I do not see. God, you work where I cannot comprehend. God, you move where I cannot yet discern. But my faith is in you. My faith is in you. The world stands at attention when you speak, Lord. You hold it all within your hand. I pray with present faith for lost loved ones. I pray with present faith. Faith for those afflicted by infirmity in the name of Jesus. 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 Anoint our eyes to see. Let us to see beyond the natural. Let us to see into the supernatural. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You are the I am, a present God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been praying for years and nothing's happened. Nothing that you can see in the naturals happened. But I'm telling you, the adversary would have destroyed your loved one already if it hadn't have been for your prayers. The adversary would have snuffed out their life already if it hadn't have been for you praying and interceding. Don't believe the lie of the adversary. Prayer makes a difference. Your conversation with God is affecting their life. Your faith being released is moving the hand of God. God and the Spirit of God on their behalf. Come on, don't wait on me. You just continue to release your faith. Release it through the utterance of the Spirit that's flowing right now. Release your faith in prayer. Release your faith in declaring what God puts in your spirit to declare. Let Him open your eyes. Let Him anoint your mind. Let Him flow through your spirit. I feel the Spirit of the Lord stripping away the lies of the adversary this morning. You've been listening to the adversary telling you your prayer is not making a difference. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changed. But I feel the Spirit of the Lord trying to pull back the curtain, if you will. Trying to remove blindness so you and I can look and see. I've spared their life this long because you've prayed. I've been working in situations in the Spirit that you don't even know about because you've prayed. You interceded and it 
didn't know what you were praying, but I was moving, I was working, and I still am. Exercise your faith in the present. Exercise your faith in the I am God. Come on, there's a spirit of healing, a spirit of deliverance here this morning right now. faith by the word of God. There is imparted faith by the word of God. As you begin to worship this morning, if you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is here to fill you with His Spirit. You begin worshiping Him, praising Him, magnifying Him, and He will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, our faith is in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Reto 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray the flow of the Spirit. I pray the flow of the Spirit in every vessel that would receive. God, deliver us, I pray. In our mind, I give us discernment, your spirit of discernment between human emotion and the leading of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, you've given us feelings, you've given us emotion, but you did not design us to be governed by them. I pray this day a liberty and a victory given of the Holy Ghost to rightly discern between emotion and the spirit leading. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to do something right now. Keep praying if you want to pray. Um, The Lord Jesus is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. Now. That's a broad statement, but it is a reality. He delivers from bondage of sin. He delivers from torment of thought. He delivers. We, we have testimonies in this room. He delivers from addictions. He delivers from fear. He delivers from he is a deliverer. This is what he does by his spirit and by his power. He is a deliverer. How many? I want you to think for a moment. If you know God has delivered you from something, I want you to think about what he's delivered you from. All right, you have that in your mind? You have the thing that you know God has delivered you from in your mind? Okay, now I want you to raise your hand if you can testify. God has delivered me from. Now I want you to look around the room. Everybody, I want you to look around the room. So there is living witness in this room that God is a deliverer. Okay? Now, there have been multiple things in my journey and walk with God that God has had to deliver me from. Okay? Things that have held me bound or or wrapped in my life or in my way of thinking that God has had to do a work of deliverance. All right? That doesn't mean something's wrong. Like... With me, right? This is what the adversary does to see something's wrong with you because you can't get back. Sometimes it's, there's some things God leaves in our life that keep us dependent on him. And there's some things we know, man, I need God to deliver me. Okay? So, we're not going to draw this out. If you specifically, just as me talking about that, 
I don't want you to pause and think about something. If just me mentioning deliverance made you think of something that you're like, I need deliverance, I'm asking you to come right now. There's no pressure here. Please don't come out of some group responsibility. This is only where you're like, no, something came to my mind. I need deliverance in this thing. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, we're going to pray in faith. I'm going to ask you to spread out just a little bit more right there. Thank you. We'll make a little room. Sister Mary, why don't I have you come over here since we got mostly a lady over here. Martin, why don't you come down here that way? If you don't mind, we'll have the guys over here and the ladies over here if that's okay. All right? Now, we are going to pray in faith. Okay. The scripture is clear. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Indeed. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, I'm going to, this is a safe place. You guys believe that? Okay. Is that recording off? Okay. I just want to make sure because of, I want you to know it's safe. All right. I want you to feel like, man, I know they're recording that. Now, don't worry. God's not going to do anything to you.